It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jay Crawford, Adam, the bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names. It would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! There's no stopping Jim Brown into the end zone for his fifth touchdown of the day. Activist, actor, and titan of the gridiron, Jim Brown has died. Born James Nathaniel Brown in 1936, St. Simmons, Georgia. Brown was a force to be reckoned with on the field, revolutionizing the role of the running back. Selected in the first round of the 1957 draft, Brown played nine seasons for the Cleveland Browns and led the league in rushing eight of those years. He led the Browns to the league championship game three times, winning the title in 1964 and was named MVP three times. Post-football, Brown transitioned seamlessly into the world of acting, showcasing his talents in films such as The Dirty Dozen, Ice Station Zebra, and 100 Rifles. I wanted to have a career, have it peak, and do other things. Beyond his athletic prowess and film career, he stood tall as an advocate for civil rights, using his platform to fight for equality and justice. We remember one of the greatest to ever play, Jim Brown. And we'll be remembering the great Jim Brown throughout the two-hour program today. Of course, he passed late Thursday night at his L.A. home at 87 years old. One of the greatest, not just running backs of all time, but one of the greatest football players ever to play the sport. Dead at the age of 87. And really, much of what the Browns fandom is today, you can point back to Jim Brown. Obviously, there were other great players that came before him. But his popularity came at a time when football was really still in its infancy in the United States, and he really was that true great player for a decade. And we'll, as I said, we'll be remembering his life and his career throughout the program. Uh, welcome to the Elder Cleveland Sports Show. Bull, good to be with you again. Yeah. It's been, been a, a while. while. Yes, it has. Bug. You know I'm back. I'm home. This back, is my seat. Back in I the am. seat. I actually moved the seat closer. I'm, I'm making my way, Jay. I know you are. He's coming. He's moving his way to left. Uh, G. Bush actually is emceeing the opening of the High School Football Hall of Fame. This is in Canton, Ohio. I'm not sure if it's affiliated with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but McNuggets, you said the uh, the founder of this is going to be in tomorrow on the show? Yeah, the founder is actually G. Bush's high school coach, Antonio cool Hall, okay. at Canton McKinley, and he will be on the show tomorrow Very good. at 1130. So all those questions, yeah. we don't know the we'll answer hold our to fire right for now. Him. We'll get Earl is down there with yeah. him, too. Oh, G. Bush went to McKinley? Yeah, he did. Because that's where we pra- – I don't know – yeah. That's the school right there where we practice at. I yeah. know. National champion one year. Yeah. 
two times before he went to Ohio. Yeah. Was he was he there both national championship so. years? Yeah, wow. they keep losing to Maslin though. Um, well, they're not good now. Mm. Yeah, in, they, in, they, in the they, weight yeah. room, they, usually you have like a time clock that says like when the season is going to start. Yeah, ticking but down. theirs is ticking down. Theirs, I thought it was that's what it was, but when I look closer, it's like oh, to only beat Maslin, I'm like oh, their rivals and yeah, they yeah, have yeah. papers next to the the ticker and they've lost like nine in a row. I'm like why? I'm that like, hurts. Yeah, so you train at the same. Uh, high school where G. Bush plays. You guys are Yeah, we use their, we use their facilities. We I didn't know facilities that. Every I wonder day. if G knows that. No, nah, he must not because he hasn't mentioned it. So yeah, yeah we, you haven't talked to him about it. Yeah, he's he's a bulldog for yeah, sure. What a blessing. Um, lot to get to today, obviously, on the death of Jim Brown. Leroy Horde in that same fraternity as Jim Brown is a, mm-hmm. a Brown's running back. He's going to join us uh, coming up later in the program, the end of the first hour, and he'll give us his remembrances and thoughts and what Jim Brown meant to him, you know, how he mentored him, what advice he gave to Leroy? That's going to be uh, an interesting part of the show coming up about 45 minutes from right now. And uh, you can see the new little text the show down at the bottom there. Uh, you can get all your daily updates. Also, we're going to do um, we're going to do some viewer comments later. Correct? Yeah, we asked the internet. You know, what was your favorite Jim Brown memory, yeah. and what do you remember most? And we got some pretty good answers. We got a ton, so we're not going to really get to all of them, but right. we'll sort through. We picked a couple of our favorites. Very good. And we'll do that towards the end of the show. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that a lot of you guys have thoughts, remembrances, things that you'd like to share, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Bulls bet. Yeah, we'll get to that real quick. I went one and one on Friday. Okay. I, fi- I finally hit my first baseball slump here. I think I'm like, I've lost four of seven or something like that, You're Mike. two I don't and five know. in your last seven, so. Oh, it's all right. You're still thank over you, 500 in baseball. Still right? way over 500. Yeah, yes, over. but I need some locks tonight. All right. Well, I got locks. one game today. <laughs> let's, let's, br- let's bring it up there, Mikey. Yeah, before we bring it up, though, let's remind the good people where yeah. they should be betting if they're going to ride with Bull on his bet of the day. And that right. is Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Right now is the perfect time to join Bet Rivers Sportsbook when you use deposit code SPORTS. You receive a second chance bet up to $500. Get in on all the action with weekly specials on your favorite sports like basketball and hockey. To help you win big, check them out at BetRivers.com. Download the BetRivers app today for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. By the way, I was thinking about going against the A's today, but they are such a big underdog that even plus, even minus one and a half runs against them, they, I were, bet it. they were still like minus 170. I still bet it. I wonder even, if even it, has Vegas finally caught on that they're going to be an all-time worst they, team? We might have to have like minus two. Well, yeah, I mean, if they lose their next two, they'll be 10 and – I mean, they're 10 and 38 right now. I, I, they're going to break. I think they're going to break that Mets record of forty and one twenty. Nineteen sixty-two. Yeah, they, and that was expansion team. Expansion Mets. Yeah. Tom Kirkson said he didn't think they were that bad though. He, he said did. they were bad. He did not. He said he did not think. We'll they see. Great. I Tim don't probably remembers the sixty-two Mets. I just seen an article. They um, reached the all-time low in attendance at two thousand. Oh uh, Fans like have just stopped coming. The fans are just boycotting yeah. now because you know they're up and leaving and moving to, to, to Vegas. Vegas. So yeah. the fans are upset. I feel so bad for the town of Oakland. You know, such it's, a it's terrible. passionate fan base, and just to see what have happened to them for over these past what They've five lost years. All three of their teams is going to be in the span and, of like five years. Yeah, essentially, in a, in a place where sports mean a lot to those kids and people growing mm-hmm. up. Sports keep things kind of together. So and are good fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Raiders fan base. That that fan Huge. base was incredible. Yeah, they yeah. epitomized the, the Warriors' yeah. home games at uh, at Oracle were unbelievable. Yeah, and the war and the A's haven't had. You know, good attendance for a while, but but that stadium is so awful, yeah. and the, the team's been sports, bad for a while. Yeah. And you know, at one point, I think the A's were kind of considered in that same vein with the Rays and the Guardians. Yeah, and now they've gone in the last like half decade, they've gone way off, it's way away. Nightmare. I mean, they see stink. Any, they're terrible. Yeah. Any team coming in and ste- like them getting a professional sports team is or is this done? I think Oak, the the, the, the ship has sailed for yeah, pro yeah. sports and Oakland. Now they need a new for, stadium. For starters, the city treats the team like crap. You know, they just they, they refused to uh, help them with, with new stadiums. The Raiders, uh, it, Vegas made it easy for the Raiders, yeah. but, you know, the Oakland did nothing to try to keep them. Uh, Golden State jumping across to San Francisco. I yeah. mean, that's kind of a no-brainer yeah. with just with the finances. And unlike the other sports, like in baseball and football, San Francisco already had their own team. So it was, you know, it was, it right. was just a, no-brainer. a little yeah. bit different. But, yeah. And I, what's weird, too, is... <laughs> Their fans are uh, are diehard, very good baseball fans. Yeah. In the seventies, yeah, they were huge. they were yeah, juggernaut yeah, yeah. in right. the early seventies with Charlie Finley as their owner. Well, and even in even into you in know, the nineties, the nineties with Conseco and McGuire, yeah. and then, you know. But anyway, did we put up the bet, Mike? Not yet. We're waiting oh. for you guys. Oh, go ahead. Right, let's show it. Yeah, the Tigers. I like the Tigers at the Royals. It's basically a pick'em game. 
Uh, the Tigers, you know, first of all, I, we all know the AL Central is one of the worst divisions I've ever seen. Uh, the, the Guardians just keep on losing, and they're not really that far out. No. But the Tigers quietly have played pretty well since a bad start. Are they they're, ahead of the Guardians now? They are. Yeah, I thought so. They are. The Royals are the worst of the bunch. And the Tigers have uh, a pitcher named Michael Lorenzen, who came off the injured list yep. a couple weeks ago. And his last three starts, including one against the Guardians, have been lights out. He looked great against us. Yes, he was great. So, uh, you know, he's uh, he's pitching great, and he's facing the Royals. Yeah, it's so a pick-up game. I think I, I like the Tigers tonight. I might take the line on the on the complete game shutout. Yeah. <laughs> you could. Yeah, it's been rough for the Guardians. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. I'm rocking with you, Bull. Uh, a little I'm, bit rocking, I'm rocking with I you. I like it. I yeah, like good. it. Good. All right. Get roll on, on roll the dice and win. Go. Okay, uh, let's dive in. And obviously, um, you know, we've had a lot of time now to think about yeah. it because uh, he passed. We got news of the passing Friday afternoon. He right. passed Thursday night. Um, Jay, you said something a moment ago yeah. that Jim Brown is the Browns, essentially. Uh, yeah. When you think about it, like, we always talk about the fact that not just in, in Cleveland, people root for the Browns. That's obvious. It's Cleveland. Yeah. But around the country, the reason there are so many Browns fans, there's two reasons why there's a lot of Browns fans that are 60 and older all around the country. Those two reasons are Paul Brown and Jim Brown. You're absolutely That's right. That's it. That is it. That's the list, yeah. right? And my dad was a Browns fan because he loved Paul Brown and he loved Jim Brown. And then when they were gone, you know, he was angry and a lot of people were angry. But the reason there are so many 60 and 70 and 80-year-olds in all over the country and all over the world is Paul Brown and Jim Brown. They are, to this day, to some degree, Jim Brown is still the face of the franchise. Well, my dad, when I, and this is, he made this up, obviously, but yeah. when you're a kid, you want to know everything. Mm -hmm. Why are they the Indians? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Why are they the Browns? Yeah. And my, my dad's answer, and by the way, my dad loved Paul Brown and Jim Brown. Yeah. Jim Brown was his favorite player all-time any sport. Paul Brown was his favorite coach all-time any sport. And he said... Well, they're the Browns because of Paul Brown and Jim Brown. They're the Browns. Yeah. And I thought and I thought that was true forever. It made sense. Because he just explained it so succinctly. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, they weren't the Browns before that. <laughs> and he said, they made them the Browns. And that really sums it up, Bull. It, That's it's true. why it really is. When I've worked yeah. around the country and I've lived in different areas, I've always fell into pockets of Browns fans because yeah. there's a Browns backers bar in just about every major city. I would yes. always find it. Yeah. And when I would go and I would talk to the people, my story is very similar how you're a Bengals fan. Okay. The, the stories that I would hear would be, well, God, the Browns were really good when my dad was young That's and right. that was his favorite team. <laughs> yeah. So I started rooting for the Browns. And right. so really Paul Brown was, was huge in all of that. Yeah. But I think he was the seed I think the oak tree was Jim. No doubt. I really do. He was, when you look at his stats, and we're going to have this debate later as to whether or not he's the best running back of all time. And obviously, if you, if you just watch the film and you see the, today's backs do so much more in terms of pass catching and everything else. But the apples to apples comparison, and the number that I always use for everyone is, of all the backs, all the great backs, mm -hmm. the O.J. Simpsons, the Emmett Smiths, all of them, only one averaged 100 yards per game, which really is the yardstick for a great game. Mm. He was it. He did it for a career. And as many great backs as we've seen, Walter yeah. Payton, all of these great backs, no one's been able to no. do that. And near the top of all time in terms of yards per carry. I think he's third. Yeah, I mean, he's... Yeah, number three. Over number five three. yards a carry. I, I mean, mean the number, you think about his last... So he played nine years in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. His last year, his last year, when he retired he yeah. went and did the Dirty Dozen, which I love that this movie. This is my favorite stat, by the and way, where you're going. His last year, he led the league in yards. He led the league in carries. He led the league in touchdowns. 
I mean, he had 21 so, touchdowns in his see, last year at not only years so old. Just to show you the dominance. Yeah. You can go back and look at the rushing title every year in the NFL. Yeah. And there are a few exceptions, obviously. Uh, I think the year that um, uh, the old Rams running back that went over 2,000. Eric, Eric Dickerson. Dickerson. Eric Dickerson. Dickerson yeah. There are years where you'll find big gaps between one and two. But in, in 1964, his last season, Jim Brown ran for, or 65, or I think it was 65. I think it was 65. I think 65. Right. Yeah. He ran for 1,544 yards in yeah. 14 games. Gale Sayers was second. He had 677 more <laughs> yards than Gale Sayers. <laughs> He damn near doubled Dale's, wow. Gale Sayers' numbers. I know. That's just crazy. And that was the, and, and and that was the last time we saw him play. He could have sat out the last five games, and he still might have led. The league. I think he probably would have led the league, the league in rushing. He, I'm sure he would have if he missed five games. I, I'm sure, which is just insane. <laughs> yeah. Now, I remember. I think it was '84. Yeah. Maybe you can help me on this McNuggets because I know you'd find a picture of it on <laughs> on online somewhere. He announced he was coming back. And he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a Raiders jersey. And I thought, oh, Uh-oh. my God, is this real? <laughs> and he really was trying a comeback. Now, it obviously didn't, didn't make it. Right, and, right. You know, in the NFL, you're old at 30 as a running back. Yeah, he was And he 50, retired, right? I think, at 31. But, yeah. you know, I mean, by then, I think he was 47 years old. It was something absurd like oh, yeah, that. That's, that's ridiculous. And he was his, there's a, you can yeah. find it. There's a picture of Jim Brown on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a Raiders uniform. Yeah. The I, title of that uh, article, by the way, is Jim Brown, a comeback at 47. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. There you go. His, his presence and um, what he's done for this game is, is unmatched because he's way before my time. And, and growing up, when you thought of the Cleveland Browns, you thought of Jim Brown. You know, there are certain in pe- L.A. There in L.A. There are certain people in certain organizations that, when you think of that organization, you think of a specific player. You think of the Boston Celtics. My mind, even though before my time, you think of Larry Bird. Right. You think of Magic Johnson. Nowadays, you think of Kobe Bryant. Right. When you think of the Cleveland Browns, because of the um, they haven't had much success, you think of Jim Brown because he is the last person to help them win an NFL championship, even though it was because of the before the merger before the AFL and NFL merger right. in 1970, 1964. He's brought Cleveland their last championship. And this passionate fan base, that's all you hear is Jim Brown and the way people speak about him. That's how, if you haven't met somebody, the way other people talk about them and their experiences and their relationship with them is how you can tell how a person is. And I've heard nothing but great things. You know, Barack Obama sent his condolences to the Brown family and things like that. And just many legends of the game have sent their condolences. So that just shows me he was an amazing person. He's paved the way for people like myself to continue to play this great game. And um, I just uh, feel for his family in this untimely passing. And We kind of felt something was close because at the NFL Awards in January or February, February. it was right before the yeah. Super Bowl, Joe Thomas was the first player to be announced into the new class at the, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the way it worked was a great from that organization usually comes in, yeah. announced the player. Mm-hmm. And they had Tim Brown announce Joe Thomas. Right. And Jim was Jim Brown was in the audience. Yeah. And I, at that point, I thought, uh-oh. Yeah, they, something's going on. Yeah, something must be, you know, he must be unable to move up there. Or, yeah. and, and, and he didn't look well. They showed him a couple of times during the ceremony. He did not look well at all. But I interviewed him two, year, two or three years ago. Now, I can't remember. It was a couple of years ago. And I was, even though he moved slowly, anytime you, you saw him move, you could tell he walked with a, with a, with a limp and he yeah. used a cane. But by and large, he was still sharp as a tack. He was telling me details from the championship game, which was, you know, 55 years earlier. Yeah. And he was remembering specifics and things about his childhood, too. And he was just a wealth of inf- information. Yeah. And now, the Bull, I feel like, you know, every organization has a walking history book. Yeah, um, I, I think for the for the Browns, we've lost that link to that great history. Yeah. Now that Jim Brown is gone. Well, it's amazing when Boogie was talking about like guys that you think of with teams. Most of those guys have played much more recently than Jim Brown. Right. And just we haven't had that player. I mean, right. the, there's guys that, you know, you think about with the Browns, but not like Jim Brown. Who Jim is the Brown. Bengals guy, by the way? Who is when, when, when you, 
I guess for, your the, team. The, for me, the first guy I think about is Anthony Munoz. Oh, interesting. That's the first I think, guy that I think comes Boomer to me. Esiason. But Boomer too. Just I mean, probably I, played a, you know a more a, a, a higher more profile position. position. Yeah. But I, I think Munoz was the greatest Bengal ever, so yeah. that's why I pick him. But you know, but the thing about Jim Brown also, we talk about this with LeBron. Like, it feels like LeBron, if he had gone into any sport, would have been great. Right. Like, if he had concentrated on soccer or baseball, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, it feels like the same thing with Jim Brown, right? Like, Jim Brown was a legendary lacrosse player. He <clears throat> held records in high school basketball. I didn't even know this until recently. I didn't realize he was that good a basketball player in high school. Like, I, I'm sure he was gr- He was probably great at anything he did. And it's rem- you don't find, like, there's guys who are great at their sport, but it's the rare athletes, the Bo Jackson, the LeBron James, the Jim Brown, Dave Winfield, that are can excel in any sport, it seems. I, I think that's a great point um, because we all remember that guy in, from our high school, yeah. the guy right. from our graduating class, that whatever he tried, yes. he wasn't just good. He was the best player on the team. Right. And one of the things that uh, the Browns sent out on Friday, 32 facts about 32, and I read through them, and I knew a lot of them. There were some that were surprises to me, but the one that really jumped off the page to me because I, I don't even know how you do this. He earned 13 varsity letters. <laughs> now, if you know, he was four years in high school. Right. And there's three seasons. Right. If, if you letter in all four sports or all three um, seasons right. for four, that gives you 12 varsity letters. He lettered in football, lacrosse, baseball, basketball, and track. So he had to be playing two. He doing played two sports baseball at one and track time. at the same time <laughs> yeah, in the in the spring. <laughs> he played football and lacrosse in the fall. And I remember when I did the interview with him, asking him specifically about what did you do as a kid if not this. And he said, yeah. "Listen, I was so into it. I built a high jump pit in my backyard <laughs> so I could practice track and field." And I had asked him, if you had gone into another sport, if you had just decided it was going to be baseball, there was no pro lacrosse, many consider him the greatest lacrosse player ever. Yes. And when I asked him that in the interview, I said, what do you say to the fact that some call you the greatest lacrosse player ever? Thank you. That's it. That's all he said. That's the most humblest response ever. And you know what? It was like the mic drop response. Yeah. yeah. He didn't. He didn't for a second try to say, "Oh, you know, that's that's high praise." But there are so many better than me. When he played, he was the gold standard of the sport. Yeah. And so he said, "Not only was I playing these sports organized, when I was home, I was practicing these sports. I was practicing all ten events of the decathlon because." He wanted to be an Olympic decathlete, gold medalist. Mm-hmm. So, was, Bull, you're absolutely right. He was just that guy that was gifted with yeah. unbelievable athleticism and really managed to conquer everything he tried to do in his life. And think about it. Like, he's playing at a time where certainly not everybody, but a lot of the people voting in these awards, there's still, some, there's still racism. He's dealing with <clears throat> the civil rights off the field. But even just on the field, like, there's going to be guys that won't vote for him. Sure for these certain things, especially in certain parts of the country. And yet he won, like, he just won everything. Going was, away. You look at his, <laughs> the lists of awards and accomplishments, it's just like, it's absurd. It really is. Uh, uh, Mikey, you want to do a read quick? Yeah, and I want we'll one read, and then i, I got to mention something from the 32 facts about 32. But today's show, and in honor of Jim Brown, everything we talked today, Browns, is brought to us by Lorain County Community College. Your class is your future. You can register now for summer and fall classes. Learn more at lorainccc.edu to learn more. On that list of 32 fun facts they sent out about Jim Brown, Jay, the one that stood out to me the most, he didn't miss a single game yeah. in nine years. That's, that's, I, I guess I just didn't realize the pure durability of that. Wow. But now, for some of those years, they played 12 yeah. games. Mm-hmm. And some were 14. Some were 14. But, but still, but still to man it. Led the league in carries, led the league in rushing eight out of his nine years, was first team all pro not, uh, eight of the nine, and second team the one year he wasn't first. To take that kind of abuse on the football field, and Boogie could speak to it, I mean, <sighs> running backs in today's day and age, their average career is a year and a half, yeah. two years, because they're getting absolutely demolished by defensive linemen. I know it was a little different back in the 60s, but – to never miss a game in nine years. That stood out to me more and than anything. Also, you have to take into then. account, too, how he ran. Yeah. 
Jim Brown could do one of three things. I remember my dad telling me this one because I'd never seen him play. I just mm-hmm. saw the films. But my dad, I said, Dad, what kind of player was he? And he said, the most versatile player I'd ever seen. And I said, why? And he said, he could run through you. He could run around you. He could run by you. And he usually did all three every series that he touched the ball. It just it just would rotate. Yeah. He, would, he would size up the competition. And if he thought it was a defensive back that he could drop his shoulder and run over, he would. If it was a linebacker who he felt had a beat on him, yeah. he'd make a miss. And if it was a you know, corner or something trying to chase him down, he would just run by him. And it was, it was when you watch the old films, the thing yeah. that immediately stands out is his size, his strength, and his speed. Yeah, no doubt. And to your point, Jay, I, was, I saw this quote earlier, so I just wanted to bring it back up because I want to make sure. John Mackey, who played at Syracuse yeah. after Jim Brown, and you know Jim Brown, like a lot of younger running backs, Ernie Davis, uh, mentored the running backs that came through Syracuse, especially through Syracuse. John Mackey was talking about Jim Brown. I don't know when. Oh, this was in 1999. He said, Jim Brown told me, quote, make sure when anyone tackles you, he remembers how much it hurts. Wow. He lived by that philosophy, and I always followed that advice. So, you, know, you think of a running back taking the hit from the linebacker or the defensive lineman, and they're the one that's feeling the pain. Jim Brown's philosophy was, you're going to tackle me? It's going to hurt you. And he did run that way. He, <laughs> he was a punishing running back. Yes. I, I was The one thing that my dad always used to tell me, too, is that he said after every play, he thought, uh-oh, this is it. He's not going to get up this time. Because he would be so slow, and he would just meander back to the line, and he would hold his legs, and he would limp, and he would walk, and it would take forever. And he said the ball was snapped, and it was like he got hit by lightning. Boom, right now. Yeah. And he was gone. You know. But he said it was all kind of like his, his demeanor was slow moving. And you know who does that sometimes, too, is Nick Chubb kind of reminds me of that. Nick can move slowly at times on his way getting up and back to the huddle. But once the ball is snapped, he's all fire. Yeah. And that's the way Jim Brown ran for his nine years. He was, you know, I, we're going to get into so, this later about the greatest of all time. So I won't, I won't go too deeply into it here. But there is no real, I don't know if there's the, a goat argument, except mm-hmm. for maybe Serena, where there's really like no conversation. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's, there's a conversation. Michael Phelps. That's uh, a different, different sport. Yeah, but even since Michael Phelps, his records now are mostly broken. That shows how little I know about swimming. Like yeah. Mark no Spitz, idea. Mark Spitz at the time was the goat. He won seven and one games, yeah. and then Michael Phelps came along. And you're probably right. I mean, to dominate as many different disciplines because swimming's got so many different races. Yeah. So Phelps might be in that conversation with Serena, but. For a while, and now it's different, but yeah. it, it, even into the early 80s, that debate was short and sweet. Yeah, right. OJ changed it a little bit, I think, because there were some that thought at the time that o, what OJ was, was doing was better than what Jim yeah. Brown had done. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, he's there's no clear-cut goat. You Some guy could say, you know, one player, another could say this. But he, if you talk about the greatest football player ever, you know, he's even in that conversation, yeah. not just the greatest running back, but he's really got to be considered because when you look at what he did, even though it was a short for nine years, he was the best at that position unquestionably for his entire career. No fall off at all. Yeah, I mean, we talked about before eight out of his nine years, he led the league in rushing uh, seven out of nine years. He had over a thousand yards again, not a 16 or 17 game season. Yeah. 12, 12. Out of 12 or 14, yeah. and he only was under 1,000 yards his rookie season, and then one of the, the year he didn't lead the league in rushing at 900-something yards. He still year. won MVP as a rookie without 1,000 yards. Right. It's amazing. And, and, and he, I mean, he <laughs> was all pro eight out of nine years. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. It's crazy. Uh, you wonder, you know, had he played now. Look at his size, Bull. Look at yeah, that I mean, picture. Especially for that Boogie, time. Can I you would imagine not want to square it up man. with that? Yeah, I would not want to tackle him. And then, like you mentioned earlier, he was the ultimate triple threat back. To be that size, to be that elusive and can run by you is just terrifying for a defense. You know, nowadays, you get one of the three. 
You either get a big power back, you know he's going to be right in front of you. You get a shifty back, you know you're going to have to break down and watch the hips, or you'll get a speed back that can run by you. But it's those backs that can do all three are the ones that are diamond dozen. And so and rare. Are, they're so rare, and they're, and they're special, man, and they're super special, and it's hard to find them. And for him to be that back in the 1960s and not miss a game in nine years is a testament and to a durability and the hard work that he put yeah. in in the offseason off along with everything else he had going on and he had to shoulder. It was, he spent most of his uh, post-career in Los Angeles. Was he a presence there at all? I mean, I know he started the yeah. American and was very big for a long time against gang violence. Yeah. And, and I know and probably before you were born, but in the 80s particularly and even into the 90s when gangs were really, really taking control of Los Angeles, he was out front. He would go to these uh, city yeah. streets and he would speak to these gang members and tell them there's a different way. Yeah. Did, did you ever remember him being a presence or seeing him or any anything like yeah, that? Yeah, because I remember last the last show I spoke about the area that I lived in and that park was uh, gang infested. So he actually came to one of our football banquets and, and brought bikes and things for wow. the kid, kids one year. And just me being a little kid, snotty nose, uh, I just didn't understand the importance of I was standing next to a legend wow. at the time. But, yes, he came to our banquet. He spoke, uh, brought gifts and things like that. And just to see just um, a, like a, a legend and like um, somebody to look up to and like he made it out, why could why can't I? Just the, wow. the motivation and things like that. So that's the one encounter I had with him. You know, I was young at the time, but I do remember that happening, coming to our sports That would banquet. leave a mark yeah, on so. a young guy. Well, yeah. what, what did he mean personally well, to you? Well, I, I mean, I just – what he did well first of all I, the, one of my my first memories of jim brown is seeing the movie the dirty dozen i right. love that movie did you it, know he was a football player playing i no? can't remember at the time yeah. if i knew it i mean obviously the movie came out before i was born but i remember watching my dad wanted me to watch it when i was a kid right and so i must have been like seven eight years old and we i think the movie came out in I don't even remember exactly what year, 67? 60. I was going to say 57. Yeah, it was, after, it was after he retired. I, I think it was 67 that the movie came out. And I remember watching it in the late 70s, you know, as a young kid. And I loved it. And what, a, I mean, it had an incredible cast. Charles Bronson, Big Lee Marvin, cast. Telly Savalas. And um, he was good at it. He was great. Like, I mean, and you would never scene, know that he was a football player turned actor. No, and for those, I'm sure you young guys, have any of you guys, have you seen it? Have you guys, any of you guys seen I've it? I've seen it. Dirty Dozen? Watch yeah. it. You got watch it. It holds I have up. To watch it. Yes, it does. Fifth, seven, whatever years it's later. It's a classic. It's 50 a classic. Fifty-something years later. Yeah. I watched it. I don't remember exactly when, but sometime in the last five years. Yeah. It's one of those movies that, to this day, if it's on, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna watch the rest of this movie. Yeah. And one of the best parts is the scene. I won't say what happens exactly, but there's a scene towards the end where he's got to run yes. and yes. drop all the grenades. <laughs> yeah. And you see, and it's like so cool. And you're like, okay. You know, when Tom Cruise runs in his movies, you're like, okay, I'm, right. you just lost me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because his running style is so goofy. Yeah, but... But when Jim Brown, in that scene, I remember thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's clear to see now why he was the best at it in the world. It was so cool. And, and then, you know, obviously, you know, players often... Uh, these days, you're seeing players speak up a little bit. But with the Civil Rights Movement, the Cleveland Summit, with him and Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Muhammad Ali... Uh, protesting the Vietnam War and fighting for civil rights. I mean, that had to be so huge to people when you see these guys who put essentially put their careers on the line to say, we got it. Hey, we're having a successful life and we have to do more for our community. Right. When so often people can be selfish, but these guys all said, hey, you know, we got it. We got to do it. And, and that was obviously extremely impactful. It had a big, it had a big uh, impact on society yeah. at that time. And, the, you know, Cleveland is entrenched in a lot of that history. That meeting happened here. Um, you saw Carl Stokes' name on that list, yeah. Muhammad Ali, Lou Alcindor. Like, when these – they were giants. At the time, they were their sports, right. their respective sports. And they came together for a bigger and, and common cause. And, obviously, that kind of propelled him as the civil rights leader that we knew him to be later. Um for me, it was, uh, I've never seen, obviously never seen him play. Uh, it was just, I heard stories through my dad. I'll never forget the first time I interviewed him. He was at ESPN. And um, I had no idea 
that he was an ESPN watcher. The first thing he said to me, I was going to tell him, yeah. Mr. Brown, my dad was a massive fan of yours. You, you were his favorite player. Yeah. I couldn't even get that out of my mouth. And he said, and he, he talked so low and almost yeah. in a whisper. And he just said, young man, I want to thank you for representing Cleveland the way you do. Oh, that's cool. And I was yeah. just frozen. I couldn't even, I didn't yeah. even get out of my mouth that, oh, you were my dad's favorite player. Yeah. So we did the interview, cordial goodbyes. I met him sometime later. And I said, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to make sure I tell him this time. Because my dad asked me when I interviewed him. My dad was still alive. He said, did you tell him that I was a big fan of his? I said, Dad, he threw me off my game, and I never got to. But the second time I did, and every time I would see him after that, he would say, how's Dad? Mm. Just He just remembered that, that I had told him that he was uh, a big fan of his. And when I interviewed him a couple of years ago, I told him that my dad had passed. He said he was sorry. Wanted to know how old he was. I told him my dad was born in 1938. I think Jim was born in 37. I think he was born a little before my father. But for me, it was just that connection. And even though dad was gone, every time I would see him, I would have that connection Mm -hmm. where I would be able to tell him a story or two that my dad told me about Jim and those great Browns teams. And I think if you go around Cleveland, one of the things that we've really all experienced over the last couple of days are people telling stories about Jim Brown, watching Jim Brown play. Um, we, Having never had the luxury of watching him play live, we just have seen the NFL films and everything else, and we know how great he was there. But I, it, it would have been really cool to have watched him for a game or for a season to see well, his total Speaking of impact. that, Jay, literally in the last 90 seconds, the Browns just tweeted out, don't take it yet, Steve, the uh, – Five best plays of Jim Brown's career. Oh, wow. Which I'm watching it as I obviously am not old enough. You weren't old enough. Boogie, I'm not sure if you've seen these. Do you want to take these full? We'll watch them and I'd we'll love comment to. on them. Yeah, yeah I would love it. to. I've probably right, seen all of them in NFL films that I've watched on Jim Brown. I've seen an incredible amount of his highlights through the years, but I'd love to see what the Browns consider their top five. All right, so this is – I'm going to take it – not this one, Steve. I'm going to switch it, take it live as soon as it goes. These are the five best plays of Jim Brown's career by the Browns. Wow. And they count them down five to one. Yes. All right. And your mic's alive, so talk through it. This is everything we talked about in those three. Physical, can make people I mean, it miss. takes a team and, yeah. to bring them down. He just displayed all three attributes right there in that one clip. Shifty. Okay, this is number five. Okay. Yeah, pulling guard play. Shifty, physical. And now he's going to wow. retract. Now he runs away. Now he's gone. Yeah, now I don't think anybody's yeah. going to keep keep up with him. And those guys both had an angle on they them, They both they had did. an yeah. angle. Yeah, he outran two angles. And this guy's after he already had massive contact at the line of scrimmage right, right, and knocked right. three guys on their feet, off their feet. All right. That's a fullback no dive. That play's supposed to go for three yards. <laughs> I don't understand how tough that is, having no momentum. That's why running backs start off seven, eight yards in the backfield so they, <laughs> yeah. so they can see and have vision. He's – Right behind the guard. That's incredible. Yeah. It really is. Good job by the Browns for tweeting this out, by the way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, this is, is the most wide side I've ever sweet. black and white ever. Yeah. It's like I love Lucy. Look this, at his vision, too. The elusiveness. Knowing exactly where he has to go. You know the coach in me. Ball security, ball security. Yeah, ball he's got it in the wrong hand. Well, the, <laughs> first, ball the first two was about power. That one, yeah. he didn't even get touched. Look how different the passing game is now than back in the day. I don't know how much running backs were used as pass catchers back then. Not a lot, Bull. No, his last year he had four receiving touchdowns, which was, I think, the most of his career. Well, that's why it's such a huge deal now. Everybody wants a running back that can give them that third dynamic out of the backfield. All right, here's number one. This is a downfield pass. Oh, okay. So he caught it like 10 yards in the back. One guy touched him. Two, two. No way. Three. No. The distance. Do you know how demoralizing that must be for the defense? <laughs> oh, I'm just imagining me out there chasing. And did not get caught wow. either. Snow on the sidelines. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You just stretch afterward. Okay, yeah. That's wow. yeah. Thanks to the Browns for tweeting that out. Wow. I think yeah. I hope I wow. hope that's well shared and well viewed by folks that didn't see him. Because the one thing that we all have it in us. You've said before. Yeah. I, I don't know what your line was, but anything before blah 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 in sports yeah. doesn't count. 
I don't know what your line well, was. Well, I mean, it, it depends on the sport. Yeah. I, I basically ignore everything that happened before integration in a sport. Right. Like, those okay, Babe Ruth was great, but he did it all against yeah. white guys. Yeah, right, you exactly. I, I need, if there's no diversity in your sport right. because of and that's racism. Fair. Then I, I, but you know what? The one thing about about that is yeah. we all tend to be like we remember our eras. Right. And I, I love listening to young guys debate hmm. like the GOATs. And they're like, I, I'll always interrupt and say, guys, those might be the GOATs of the last decade. But you do realize that sports started before 2010. But in their minds, they didn't. Right. Because sure. they weren't yeah. watching that. That's, that's sure. the thing I always like to say, like when people bring up the golden basketball, it always starts on Michael Jordan. Yeah. And I'll say, in my mind, it's Kobe because with my eyes, right. that's who I see. And I feel like I would be lying if I said it's Michael Jordan. I never went back and watched But you play. preface it yeah. properly. You yeah. say, for me, because yeah. you've said that on the show before. Yeah. You're like, look, I know there were a lot of greats before that, but there will be so even the Michael argument mm -hmm. when I would have that argument as a young guy in my you know in in 1995 1996 yeah. my dad and his buddies would hear that and they would look and say isn't that cute yeah. kid doesn't even know about Wilt Chamberlain right you know or whatever yeah. you know or Bill Russell so there are errors but the one thing that I will say about Jim Brown because it is really hard like even the game of basketball when they're doing these set passes yeah, and, you yeah, know yeah, the yeah. chess right. passes yeah. and all of that it was a different sport but Football, by and large, hasn't changed a ton in, in philosophy. Granted, it's a passing league now. It yeah. was once a running league. Yeah. But the, the running concepts are, are similar. And when you watch that clip, that's great today. That's great 1962. Yeah. That's just greatness. And it does transfer. It really does. I mean, I do, I do think that the talent uh, – I, I think Jim Brown played in an era where he was just head and shoulders more talented than a lot of the other players mm -hmm. in the league. And top to bottom, there's more talent mm -hmm. now. However, I do think Jim Brown would have translated in any era as a great player. I believe that. I do, too. Uh, whereas I'm not so sure about some of these, like, quarterbacks from the 50s yeah. and 60s. Would they have translated? Yeah. But a guy who's a great back in those days when, you know, because playing quarterback in those days was so different. But running back, yeah, I mean, it's different now. But in a, in a way, it's it's easier being a running back now than it was then, right. as opposed to being a quarterback now. It's just it's so much more responsible. Yeah, back then the the game plan was to run the ball. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, only, you could mix in the, the pass to keep them honest. Right. But today it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. You pass the ball, and to keep them honest, you mix in a few runs. Yeah. And the the sport has definitely changed. But I believe that if you could time shift Jim Brown to a 24 year old this year and put yeah. him in the NFL, I think he'd lead the league in rushing. I do. I think he'd be that good. He's Derrick Henry's size, just for people out there to put in comparison. Yeah, he ran faster, but he's listed at essentially the same size as Derrick Henry. Right. So it's not like we're talking about he's a 6'5 center. as tall as Derrick Henry? 6'3", well, 250. And Derrick's, I think, in Derrick 6'4"? 6'4", so yeah. yeah like so I mean, essentially close. the they're same essentially size. Man, I didn't realize they were only but, an inch apart. You know, and too, you could tell when he's standing there in the uniform, too, like, now, you're right. A lot yeah. of these guys went home in January and they worked at the drugstore. Yeah. You know, for eight months. Right. Uh, and the training regimens were nowhere near what they are now. They, You know, the teams didn't right. have these huge workout facilities. They didn't meet in May. They didn't have all these mini camps and all of that. You said goodbye, probably with a pack of smokes in your car and drove your right. car back to Kansas City and you took a job as a substitute teacher for the you know yeah. for part of the year. But he was ahead of his time. I he mean, was. There's no doubt about it. But I think... I think there are some, not a lot, but I think there are some players in the 60s and the 50s that would have translated in any era. And to me, he's probably number one of all sports. Yeah, yeah definitely. For because me. do you know how hard it is when a team knows you're running? Because that's all you can do is run the ball and you're still dominant. So that's why to me, if he was playing in today's game, he would be an all pro. And yeah. like we said, he has all three phases. He can run away from you. He can run through you, and he can make you miss, which would translate in today's game where yeah. we're playing in so much more open field space. He will be – he's the blueprint of what you look for in a running yeah, back. Yeah, he's the chief Back coach. then in the 60s, right now in 2023. Right. Not to which, mention the toughness of never yeah. missing a game, the intelligence, the vision. I mean, he just he really had it all. You mentioned the toughness. Just imagine with all the sports regiment, regiments and the sports medicine, how much has improved since yeah, then. Yeah, right. That's so true. for him to be able to do that and not miss a game That's true. in the 60s, just yeah. imagine. I know. Yeah, right, they right. have a lot more things just, yeah. now to keep you healthy and, and to make you better when, yeah. you're, when yeah, you're not so. and to get you back there out on the field. The one thing that is impressive to me, too, is um, my dad used to tell me how he said, imagine that you're, you're – 
the star of the game every game and the team that you were playing spent six days trying to figure out mm -hmm. how to stop you yep. and they still couldn't. Right. He was the focal point of every defensive game plan in every game he ever played in. College he still averaged 100 <laughs> yards. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he averaged over 100 yards per game in seven of his nine seasons, which is and obviously for his career. For his career, he but averaged he, over. But, he, but even in an individual right. season basis, seven of nine years, he averaged over 100 which yards. It's absolutely insane. Done, yeah. I know we have, um, we have Leroy coming up in a couple of minutes. Is he on yet? He is. Let me do an ad read. We'll bring him in. If, okay. If no one else has anything to add. Nope. Yeah. I was. I was just going to say. You know, we haven't yet talked to what he meant to Cleveland. We can save that for because I'd like to get to Leroy if he's here. Yeah, we'll get to Leroy, but I want to remind everybody that Boogie's joining us today. Boogie, a defensive star for the Pittsburgh Maulers. If you want to check out great USFL action, ten dollars or less tickets, USFL.com. Check him out to see elite stars like Boogie Robertson, some other guys. Boogie also had eight tackles, two for a loss, and a sack this week. So. Shout yeah. out to Boogie, who was named Two to the uh, midseason USFL defensive team of the year. I don't know what the exact award was called, but he's named to the midseason watch list. So shout Congrats, out, Boogie. brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate Making you. noise down there. Yeah. And this just leads into what I want to say. You know, um, with me doing this show, shout out to, to, to Jim Brown. You know, I don't think people understand how hard it is to translate from being an athlete to doing something something different right and being good at it so for him to open the door and pave the way to showing you're more than just an athlete to allow me to sit in this chair today and still take care of my business on the field you know he's a trailblazer and um, that's right i wouldn't be here without him i also do acting following in his footsteps as nice. well so um he's amazing i just hope to have half the career that he did so thank you guys for all the acknowledgement no, we got to get a couple more wins we got to keep going yeah and hopefully i'll be Def the yeah. offense has got to pick it up Your yeah they do you know we job. But we're we're a team, you know. We just gotta um, keep keeping them afloat until yeah. they get things going. You know, it's our job to not give up any points. So right. we still gave up a couple, which is way too many. So we'll keep going, and I uh, appreciate you guys for having yeah, me absolutely. and allowing. And the to, division's still tight, even though you two. Oh and yeah, four, we're one. The team we play yeah. this week, the Philadelphia Stars, we already own the tiebreaker over them because yeah. we beat them already. So if we win uh, on Saturday, we'll we'll be right back there nice. in the playoffs. Very so. good. All right. And with that, our own personal running back. The one, the only, Leroy Horde. Leroy. Hey. Wow, up, Leroy? he's got a different What's background. Up, I almost didn't recognize well, no. you with that new background, brother. No, it's not new. I'm uh, I'm at the, I'm in the studio. Oh, you're at the radio uh, station, so, huh? Yeah, normally I'm at home, so ah, that's why you. it's a little bit different. First of all, it's good to see you again. We've missed you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, what's happening? What's your remembrance of, of Jim Brown? I imagine you had a relationship with him as he was always in to watch Cleveland. Right. Uh, what, what, what can you remember about Jim? So I had a unique situation in that every Monday um, I go pick Jim up and we go golfing after home games. And then when I got done with football and I came down to Florida, he would come and we would golf in Florida. Wow. It'd be me, him, uh, um, It'd be me, him, another guy, and and uh, LT. We golf all the time. Wow. So I got I had a chance to, you know, BS with him, have serious conversations. Um, I loved hearing about we go back and forth about when he played versus, you know, when I played. But if you ever heard Jim Brown talk, he never really talked about back in my day, right? He never said how different things were. And I would always make fun of him because I would say, you're supposed to be the best. You weighed more than half of your linemen, <laughs> right? <laughs> 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 so, so and, and, you know, one of the most important lessons that I ever learned from him, you know, besides all the stories and just – I always wanted to know what it was like, right? I think today we we don't realize because we kind of just brush over how difficult it was to be an African American athlete back in those days, and and so I always like hearing stories, you know, from people that actually went through it, and and, and it kind of just made me aware of what life was like. And he would say, there's something, if you're going to play a running back, you can never do. 
Don't ever let the defense think they got you, right? Because it gives them energy. He say, no matter how hard you get hit, no matter how hard they, how much they talk trash, you get up and keep going about your day, and eventually it'll catch up to them. And, and so that was kind of, you know, my attitude when I played. And people would talk trash, push up off of me, do various things, and I would say, uh, "See me in the fourth quarter," <laughs> because I'm still be, I'm gonna still be here. Let's see if you can still do this for four quarters. Um, but always fun talking to him. He was one of those guys that if you ask him a question and you wanted to know the truth about it, he was your guy. If you if you didn't want to get your feelings hurt or you didn't want to be insulted, then don't ask Jim an important question because <laughs> he's going to tell you like it is. But I appreciated that. I never had a problem with that because I knew it was coming from a good place. And I think that's the thing that when he was around the Browns camp or he talked to anybody, he would have a conversation with anybody, right? But you had to know that if you were out there and, and you weren't doing what you need to do, he was going to let you know. Hey, Leroy, um, you know, obviously when he retired, he was getting into movies. We talked about Dirty Dozen before, and he was very mm-hmm. much invo- involved with other big-time athletes at the time in the, in the civil rights movement. But he was still at the top of his game when he retired. We talked about him forming 1,500 yards and 21 touchdowns in his last season. Mm-hmm. Over the, all the years that you talked with him, my, my guess is no, but I was wondering, like, did he ever regret retiring when he did or just he, he had too many other things he wanted no. to do, I guess? It, it, wasn't e- it wasn't even that. He just said, I had an, I'm ready to do something different. Yeah. You got to respect that because, you know, it's easy for us to look through somebody else's situation and tell them what they should do, right? Sure. Oh, you could have played four or five more years. Really? Because maybe Jim felt like he couldn't, right? We don't know what that man was thinking. Sure. And so you just kind of respect that. He went on to do other things. Um, he went on to 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 um, be uh, active in the community and, and, and things like that. I just wish that people had an opportunity to get to know the side of Jim that I did because there ain't a picture you don't see with Jim Brown where you go, that dude is still terrified. <laughs> and I had to use my... I had to do my squishy ball before I hooked up with him because, you know, he was going to squeeze the hell out of your hand. I was like, I ain't going to here. Like, I said, I ain't going out here. I ain't going to here soft. So I did a couple of – I squeezed that. We stare at each other and give that – look at him. Yeah. Like, yeah, you had to <laughs> – it was something else. But when you spend four and a half hours riding in a cart and playing golf with somebody – and we would play every Monday, like I say, every Monday. So we talked a lot. I remember one time we went golfing, right? So they leave us a cart. I go pick Jim up. We go to the golf course, the cart be there. We get out, we start playing. We both hit a ball on the front tee. He get out and walk. Now I'm hitting on the gas. I'm going, because he ain't walking fast. I say, Jim. <laughs> We get your butt in the car. We ain't got all day. He said, I'm trying to exercise. No, you're not. <laughs> so, and and it was cool because, like, I had more a personal relationship than a football relationship, right? Because we did other things. And then when it came down to football, if I, if I wanted to know anything, I'd ask him. But I think he was there less about football and more about a way of life, more about helping young men uh, get through the sports and, and life and, you know, just just how difficult it could be for either us or anybody from that standpoint. Uh, Leroy, nice to meet you. Boogie Roberts here. I just wanted to What's know. What's happening, man? Um, a lot of athletes, they just retire and um, sell off into the sunset, you know, enjoy retirement we don't hear from him again 
Why did it mean so much uh, to Mr. Brown to to become an activist and do so much for the community after his post-playing days? Like, why did that part have such a, a hold <clears throat> in his heart? I would say for the same reason why Muhammad Ali felt that way, the same way Kareem felt that way, the same way all the uh, Bill Russell, they all felt a need because they had that platform. See, now there's more athletes and more musicians that have a platform. We got social media. We have everybody is clamoring to hear what these athletes and stars want to say. And so there's more of a platform. Back then, nobody really cared about what you had to say. So you had to stomp the door down, right? And make yourself heard. There's a difference. There's a difference in people wanting to hear what you have to say and making yourself heard. Mm. So collectively, a lot of the athletes back in those days made themselves heard. You know, they supported one another with, you know, the Muhammad Ali situation. You know, they all felt that they had an opportunity to let people know what was going on in our community and try to do something and be champions for that um, for that cause. So uh, times are different, you know, back then. Um, now, I would say that, you know, when guys retire, everybody's not looking for that next gotcha. best thing, right? I, I know for me, it took me a few years just to survive football. Right. I had to get my mind right. I had to get things in order. I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And so um, it wasn't that it wasn't a plan. Is that when I decided to retire from football, I just didn't show up. I just stopped going. Like they say, hey, where are you? I say, ah, no, nah, I'm done. You know, it was no big, you know, announcement or anything like that. I just had enough. My body w wasn't ready. So. I didn't know that it was going to come like that, but I had to, you know, adjust my life and, and accordingly. What, Did he some help guys you through that, Leroy? Um, I mean, if you mean taking my money on the golf course, then no. <laughs> <laughs> now, keep in mind, he can he can still play. Um, but it, it wasn't a matter of of helping me. It was just. Like, once I made that decision to not play anymore, then that means you open yourself up to doing something else. Yeah. Right. Right? The first thing I wanted to do when I stopped playing football is get healthy. And when I tell you with the things that were done in my body, it took me three years. Wow. Just to be able to be reasonably healthy. So when you talk about, okay, I retired, and then it took me three years to get to where I could get up with a reasonable amount of pain. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Then I take that next step, right? Make uh, a decision on what I'm going to do next. Now, the one thing I'll say, contrary to most people... Before I was healthy enough, I could always talk. So I just kind of, I just kind of, I just kind of matriculated onto that. And next thing you know, I mean, my only regret now is that I don't charge you guys by the word. We couldn't afford it, brother. We no. couldn't afford one no, more answer if he was charging it. by the word. Yeah. <laughs> be, the show would be bankrupt. That's also, that's also a testament to how special he was to have that smooth transition. To be able to go right. from football to something that right. takes a very right. special now, keep person in mind, to, to be able to do that. I would say this, like, 
there's a different level of star there too. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like I knew Jim Brown the person, but the rest of the world saw Jim Brown as an icon, as a star both on and off the golf course. I mean, off the football field. So from that standpoint, he had the luxury of being able to leave football and go into something like that. Sure. Right? I wasn't there. So I'm not going to even act like, why couldn't I do what Jim did? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't Jim Brown. Leroy, what would t- tell us something that would surprise us about Jim Brown, the man. Um, that... Contrary to popular belief, he wasn't always so serious. Did, right? Did he have a good sense of humor? I mean, he laughed when something was funny, but you you still we look. Jim Brown was still Jim Brown. <laughs> and and you can imagine how would you have a conversation with Jim Brown? Everybody was like that. Even though I might have had a different relationship. Right? He to to make him chuckle was like an accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah. But it didn't mean he didn't have a sense of humor. It just seems like you have to understand. This man had to carry himself a certain way because of how he grew up in the era that he played football. So he always had to carry himself a certain way as kind of the 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 person that everybody looked to, right? So he never really, he, he always was a little more on the serious side. But it he didn't was intimidating mean that. As hell. He, yes, that was the craziest thing. The first time I'm like, listen, there's two people that I was starstruck by. Jim Brown, but then I got to know him and that kind of went away, right? I mean, there's nothing like going to Brown's camp and going, that's Jim Brown. No, dude, that's Jim Brown, right? Right, yeah. And the other person was Gail Sayers. Wow. And 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 the reason why is, as a kid, that was the first time you actually saw a movie with real football footage in Brian's song. Yeah, you're right. And just yeah. to, kind of hear, to kind of hear that story and see that story was incredible. So when I got a chance to meet Gail, I was speechless. Yeah, wow. I wasn't speechless with Jim Brown because he always made you feel welcome, right? He didn't turn, he didn't, he didn't, like, he didn't shun away from anybody's conversation. So he always made you feel comfortable, even though he would maybe be considered a little more on the serious side. And I didn't hold that against him because guess what? I don't know if any of us as black athletes could live the life that those men lived in those days and still be able to uh, perform in this world, right? Like there's so many other things that imagine being the best player in the NFL, you go to a, um, you go to a hotel and you got to stay in a different hotel. Mm. You better than anybody that's staying in the good hotel. You got to go stay in the blacks only hotel. Wow. So, so I'm never, when all these guys talk and you hear them talk and they say, oh, it's old school or whatever, I've never held that against them because I have no idea. And none of us have no real idea. Even if they tell you the story, you have no idea what it was like growing up in those times. Le- Leroy, last thing on a lighter note, um, you mentioned movies, right? <laughs> Jim Brown and Lawrence Taylor, who you played golf with all the time, both were in any given Sunday. How did yes. they not get you a spot in there? Um, was in '99, wasn't it? They come out. What year did they come out? I don't remember. That offhand. sounds about Somewhere right. Around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Because because we were still playing football. Uh, wow, well, that's fair enough. Uh, we needed you in there, Leroy. Um, we, I, I need <laughs> to see Leroy in a movie. Yeah. Tell me this man couldn't act. 100%. Tell me this well, man we could not act. Yeah, let's Boogie, do it. Yeah, maybe Boogie's, we do a Boogie's short, maybe we do a short film or something. Too. Hold on now. Yeah. 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 Leroy Horton, hey, I'm, I'm Boogie Roberts. Yeah. yeah, you got the face for Hollywood, bro. Hey, you got the face for radio. 
See, I was complimenting you. Damn. I was not being sarcastic. Oh, I was actually being. I was actually being honest. Oh my god. Oh, yep. My bad. When I first. Oh, oh yeah. See, I know because we take so many jabs at one another. He yeah. thought I was kidding. I'm not kidding. Like, tell me that man okay. couldn't play. He definitely could. Any role that you get, you, you want him to be funny. He'll be, be funny. You want him to be Marvel intimidating. Marvel he can do that. I can see him being a Marvel. You want Marvel him to be villain? Marvel yeah. villain. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's come I back. It, I yeah. got a face for radio. When I first heard that joke, I didn't, I didn't really get it. And then I said, and I'm like, wait, radio, you don't see him. Yeah, like, wow, exactly. Like, wow. Thanks, Art. thanks, Leroy. Wow. I love wow. you, brother. Wow. That's I love you, Leroy. <laughs> come on, Jay. Jay, you look, Jay, Jay, you look Jay, good you know to me, I love Jay. You, man. You, you still, know I love you. you know I, know, I love you. And you're still my favorite. Jay, you look good to yeah. me. Don't let it. Uh, yeah. I, I'll listen to Boogie on that one. Leroy, it's great. It's great having you on. Thank you, Leroy. Thank you so much. We enjoyed the insight. We really did. Oh, by the way, before we. If we were to add up all of the golf bets between you and Jim, are you plus or minus against him? Y'all want to hear another golf story? Yeah, we got time. So, let me show you why Jim is intimidating. We were playing at a golf course in Miami, and the ninth hole is a par three, and Alton Road is to the right of the ninth hole. Jim hit his ball. It goes to the right. We can't find it. Me and LT hit our ball. We're somewhere around the green. We look up, and Jim is over two two two-lane roads (laughs) taking a practice swing (laughs) to, to hit his ball out of somebody's front yard. <laughs> LT say, Jim, that's out of bounds. <laughs> and Jim say, I don't see no stakes. <laughs> and he just kind of strong. He just kind of depoted the situation. So we basically let him hit a ball across two two-lane highways. Oh, my God. Over the street onto the green. <laughs> because Lion, lion three. Lie, no, he didn't take no drop. He didn't take he a stroke. No, no, no penalty, nothing. <laughs> Did he this hit the par putt? The street, the street is out about. No, he made par. <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> the point is he strong armed us into thinking that he could drive across a highway to go hit his golf ball because there wasn't no white stakes. Leroy, could you imagine the owner of that house seeing somebody probably for the first time in the entire time he's lived there? Swinging a golf club in his front yard, come and flying out Jim the Brown. front door to chew him out, and it's Jim Brown. <laughs> Never it mind. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm, te- I'm telling you, even as one of the nicest guys I've had the pleasure of talking to, he was still intimidating. Yeah, we he, all know that. Everybody, that you ain't never seen face. a picture. You've never seen a picture of Jim Brown where he, you didn't say that man looks terrified. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was part of his natural DNA Amazing makeup. Amazing story. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad you told it, Leroy. We'll, we'll talk soon, man. <laughs> See you, Leroy. <laughs> All right, brother. See you later. Later, Leroy. Have a good one. All that righty. is pretty good. Oh, man. That is, and who's going to argue with him? I'm not going to make him take the penalty Nobody. stroke. No way. You'd think if no anybody way. would argue, but like Lawrence Taylor's pretty intimidating, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's like one of the most intimidating. Like, Probably you, the greatest offensive player and the greatest defensive player and Leroy. Yeah. I know. What a group. The greatest offensive player, the greatest defensive player, and the greatest talker. All in one. Yeah, that's right. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.